Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I am joined by head brewer Rachel Howard and Russell Tinsley, the founder of Oozle Finch Beers and Blending. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. So um, we've talked to Russell a couple times, um, and that was only because Rachel wasn't available at those times. So now we finally get the person that we actually want to talk to. So (laughs) thank you for being available, Rachel. Yes, happy to be here. So I think first, though, because I love the story, um, even though we've done this in the past, like there's a lot more listeners now than back then. Can you tell us what a noozle finch is? That's you. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do it. I've told it eight hundred times. Absolutely not. All (laughs) right. Well, from what I've been told. The Oozle Finch, I guess, originated on the fort um, back in 1905 when the Fort Monroe was active. Um, there was a general, right? General? It was uh, Captain. Captain, okay. Who uh, had a little bit too much to drink and went out one night and claimed he saw a large flight challenge bird flying backwards with big red eyes. Um, so it became a thing. Somebody drew it out. Um, and I think it became the mascot of the fort and then eventually became its own like secret society situation where, um, their motto was, or their motives were drinking, gambling and roasting each other. That so, sounds like fun. Yep. That is what the, the oozle finch is, I guess. And w- do you remember what the motto was? Uh, what? What in the hell do we care or something like that? Yeah, that's it. In, in yeah. Latin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you say it in Latin, Russ? Mm, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I just know what it, it, it translates to uh, something like um, what place of the damned or something like that, which I think is supposed to translate to uh, what the hell do we care? Or uh, what do we think of the place of the damned or I forget. So anyone who's never been to Oozle Finch or doesn't know where it is, it's located just outside of Fort Monroe, the actual fort. But I guess the area, the town is called Fort Monroe too, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, a, in, it's a small base, yeah. So it's in Fort Monroe, but just outside of the actual fort. On a beautiful right, location, yeah. right along the water. The views are amazing. Um, and if you see Russ, ask him for a tour of the fort because he's an amazing tour guide. <laughs> I'll get you I'm drunk drinking. first, though. <laughs> the the tours don't work sober. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, not at all. <laughs> I om- I almost feel like you'd probably just wander around stammering and have no idea. <laughs> but then as soon as you have a few beers in you, you it's like you're a professional tour guide. <laughs> it's true, it's true. You know from personal experience. <laughs> So when um, when did Oozle Finch open? We opened uh, September of 2016. And when did you come on board, Rachel? Um, I came on about, I guess, a week after our grand opening. <laughs> um, but so I the started beginning. as yeah, I started as a bartender. Um, I was still in college at the time, 
Um, and I knew I wanted to get into the brewing industry. So I spent my senior year bartending for them and um, doing a few like lab tests on the side just to do some yeast counting and viability. Um, and then when I graduated, I went into production. So, What did you go to college for? Chemistry. So good, applicable uh, science. Yeah. Yeah, it was, was kind of neat. For my degree in particular, it didn't require me to take any biology classes, which, um, as many people know, there's a ton of bio uh, intricated into brewing. So I actually had to do a little bit of further research throughout my senior year just to become acquainted with um, that side of things. What what was the impetus for you wanting to get into brewing? Um, so I knew I wanted to study chemistry. I knew I loved science um, all throughout college, but I had no idea what I really wanted to do with it. So I thought at one point I wanted to be a birthing nurse and then volunteered that's in a, a big swing ward. yeah <laughs> realized it was not for me <laughs> um, and then I thought forensic science for a little bit along the same lines a lot of bodily fluids um, stuff I don't really like to see I originally um, wanted to be a forensic psychologist oh really yeah yeah what turned you away from that the years and years of school and I hate school <laughs> <laughs> I feel that <laughs> um and then the summer between my junior and my senior year, I had to get a summer internship to do a research project on for my one of my minors. Um, and my dad has worked in beer distribution my whole life. So he was like, well, I'll get you a summer job interning at a brewery in my hometown. Um, and you can bartend for money. It'll be something easy and fun. And I finished my three months there and I knew it's what I wanted to do. So when I went back to school, um, I basically contacted like every brewery in the area and tried to get them to take me on in some some fashion. And uh, Uzel Finch was the first to, to grab me up and been there ever since. Where, so, did, where did you go to school? Christopher Newport University. Um, so did you did you do homebrewing or did you just come in and start using uh, Uzel Finch's equipment? Um, no, I never did any homebrewing through college. Um, when I started my internship at the other brewery over the summer, uh, we did a few smaller batches on their equipment. And then um, I did a few like pilot batches here at Uzelfinch before I went on the bigger scale. But um, I never went through any like homebrewing on my own. So you went from no experience to making really, really good beer quickly. <laughs> That's what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, 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 I always assume, like, I guess it's just because everyone has that story that they started out getting into brewing by home brewing. Yeah. Yeah, mine was a little bit odd. Um, but uh, usually when I have something in my mind that I want to do, I don't really stop until it's done. And then I'm there. So... <laughs> So how how do you approach um, recipe development? Um, it's oh, a good question. So I always start with, I guess, my first question for you there is: Are we talking about fruited sours, or are we talking about like traditional style beers? Well, I mean, Both. I would assume 
Yes. Well, it's probably easier with fruited <laughs> sours, right? You just yeah. use it. You like unless you have different bases for different lines, but more or less you're you're starting with the same base and then just trying to build a flavor profile out of throwing a bunch of junk into what used to yeah. be beer. <laughs> exactly. No, when I when I uh, develop recipes, uh, actually, when I first started developing recipes, I read a ton of books. Um, and I actually formulated my own spreadsheet with all the calculations in there. So um, I've read a lot about the different types of styles of beers and I try to formulate recipes to fit those styles like most people do. Um, and then I just enter a bunch of numbers into this spreadsheet and it just plops it out for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice, <laughs> but um, I just didn't want to use the websites that um, are kind of out there for people to use that a lot of home brewers use. I felt I wasn't going to really understand the process and the reasons why um, I'm doing the things I'm doing until I understood the math behind it. I understood the science behind it. Um, so I read a ton, formulated a spreadsheet, and then um, now I just kind of plug and play once I figure out exactly what type of style I want to make and then where I want it to fall in that style range. So, so since we covered real beer, let's go back to fruited sours. How, cause how do you, you guys decide on what flavors you're going to use? Cause sometimes like you guys definitely do some really out there ones. Is that Russ is doing or is that a group effort? Um, sometimes it's Russ. Uh, I'd say a lot of the like super heavily fruited ones that have, crazy weird adjuncts you would never put in a beer are rust. <laughs> uh, like, like I tried to caterpillar beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if if you first look at it and it doesn't make sense, it was probably yeah. it was probably Russ's idea. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I enjoy playing with like odd fruits and odd spices. Um but as far as like rainbow sprinkles or uh, brownie batter the fun or... fetty the, f <laughs> the fun fetty beer was really good though yeah that was a fun one a little birthday celebration <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, i'll have to i gotta save one of those and crack it open for my birthday there you go um so do you then do you often like think of like just actual like a food and then want to to replicate that or is it like you think of one of those spices or out there fruits and then just build the flavor profile based off of that uh a little bit of both uh most of the time i'll base it on like a dish or um food i i enjoy eating or that i think would be good um in a beer and sometimes I'll find a fruit that I've never heard of, um, that I have access to, and I'll try to figure out how to um, work other ingredients in around that that complement it um, and don't mask that fruit or spice or whatever it is, but just like amplify it and complement it. So recently, and I can't remember the name of the beer, um, but you had one that had activated charcoal in it. What what was the thought process that brought you to that one? 
that's Russ. <laughs> so I'll let him talk to you about that one. <laughs> no, I uh, honestly with that, it was more just um, wanting to create something that looked, um, I don't know, that kind of looked messy and uh, not anything like what it, uh, what it should look like and then cram it full of fruit. So, you know, when visually you look at it, it looks like, almost mud water and then uh when you drink it it literally just overpowers your senses with uh with a lot of fruit character and just uh you know uh, a big punch kind of on the sweeter side of things and so it is more just messing with people's heads and what's uh, like the um the crystal pepsi mind messing yeah just uh you know anytime you can do something like that and mess with somebody's head it, it you know it provides an experience that folks aren't going to forget. And so it was kind of the thought process behind it. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, we had great reception like at festivals and stuff like that with it, but it was one of those beers that you had to put in front of somebody to try, um, in order to get the reaction. Most folks though, uh, steered away from, uh, the charcoal, um, you know, from what we, from what we came to find here, here in the tap room. So. It doesn't add a taste though, right? Is it, is mm-hmm. the, the charcoal's tasteless? Yeah, not at all. All right, let's take, um, a real quick sponsor break. And then when we get back, um, let's talk a little bit about more about fruited sours and how you approach this. Cause you guys do so many of them. Uh, so we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, so what is your favorite adjunct to put into a beer? Woof. A wolf? I know what it's not. <laughs> oh man! So out of all the things we put into beer, fruit is the easiest. Because it just yeah, it's just a puree. You throw it puree. in and it acts normal. We got this really fancy pump. Russ treated me um, so that I wouldn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> so that I wouldn't quit. <laughs> so that. Oh yeah. Well, one day we had Russ fruit a beer and um, after that day he bought a really fancy pump. Um, That's that fine. Just to just, just like have <laughs> just have the guy with the uh, checkbook yeah. make him Dude. make him do what you don't like to do. <laughs> it, it is funny because they don't like 
I know that some stuff is really hard in there that they're doing and that, you know, there are things out there that can make it easier, but there's been a couple of times I've gone in there and done jobs and been like, why don't we have this? And, but that day specifically, I had watched her countless times covered in fruit and, you know, head to toe, like yeah. shoveling fruit in. And then I went, I stayed one night and did it by myself because no, everybody had family in town and stuff. I think it was last year around Christmas. And then, um, right. Christmas, I think, uh, yeah. And, Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, Thanksgiving. So I'm here fruiting a beer and by the end of it, I'm covered. At like 10 a.m. and doesn't text me that he's leaving until like midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing it does not take you that long to. <laughs> no. Oh, my, dude, it was hell, man. Honestly, like I was walking home pissed by the end of it. And I'm like, <laughs> never again. Screw this. And so I, I started searching. I texted him and I was day. And I texted him that night because he's like, I'm just leaving now. And he was like all pissed. And I, and I, when I texted this, I knew I shouldn't have texted it. But I was like, now you know how I feel. <laughs> well, it didn't go over well. It, it got you but a pump. Got me a fruit pump. Wait, because you, you're on the larger scale of breweries that are, that put out heavily fruited beers because what you have a what a 15 15 barrel brew house and 30 barrel fermenters yep. yeah so there's yeah. there's a lot of a lot of fruit going into a 30 barrel fermenter i'm guessing yeah we're usually adding like like 155 to 210 gallons or like 1600 pounds ish so Definitely not boxes that you can carry up to the top of the tank. They're drums. <laughs> and we were originally using our cellar pump with like a bulldog attachment on it. But the cellar pump, we started ordering fruit that was so thick, it could not do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the but, pump that you got, is that specifically for pumping purees? It's, or... it's like a pump company and they, they've created these pumps to, to pump up very thick uh material okay um, it's basically like an auger so it just like suctions it right up there um it's so easy you, you just pop it on and it's like 15 minutes it's got a full drum in there which is great because before it was a nightmare and we had ordered this apple puree and i mean we were literally shoveling out the apple by hand and you know one scoop at a time into the kettle heating it up so we could kind of you know, get it into solution and then pumping it through that way. And it, I mean, it was an absolute pain in the ass. And so, um, but when I went home that day covered in fruit and, <laughs> and then she made it much better by saying, now, you know how we feel. And then I bought, I bought a pump So you just, about three days later. <laughs> I was going to say, did you just go online that night? And order? <laughs> oh, dude, I, I obsessed over it until I found something. And then I talked to the guy and I was like, I need this to pump. I mean, literally anything we can. And he was like, this will pump peanut butter into your tank. And I'm like, that's what I want. <laughs> so. All right. So oh, yeah. have you come up with your favorite adjuncts yet? This is for you too, Russ. Okay. I'll let Rachel go first. Hmm. Mine's mango and pineapple. I'll put mango and pineapple on everything. Oh, man. I love a mango. 
I'm with you there. Um, one of my favorite fruit purees is Cape Gooseberry. I've never even heard of that. Uh, they're like really small little yellow berries, and it's like a combination between, like the flavor profile is a combination between like a kiwi and like pineapple. It's huh. a little bit mellow. Um, some of them are tart. It's kind of fun. Like when you eat them, you'll have really sweet ones, and then you'll get like a really tart one. <laughs> um, but they're just kind of complex, and it's really cool when you put it in beer you get this nice mellow like kiwi fruitiness with the hint of pineapple have you made a beer with those sorry have you made a beer with those uh we made one a while ago Um, we haven't done one recently but we we did a crazy pants with gooseberry and elderflower i want to say is there can can you get puree for pretty much any fruit there is or are there fruits that have not been so, pureed and made available yet. There are some that have not, but about a year ago, I found this company. Um, it's literally like a broker for fruits. So you go on and they have a website and they have they have fruits that I've never even heard of. Like Jabuticaba is a fruit. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> we're get, are we getting ready to use it? No, we were going to use it. It's so expensive, so I decided not to. Oh, gotcha. They, you... You literally, you just email them and you say, I want to work with this fruit. And uh, and they figure out how to source it for you and do all the hard work. And then you get fruit shipped to your door. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Is, the, is puree one of the things that have been more difficult to source the, like over the last year? Or is that has there not been any kind of constraints on that? Um, I've seen some fruits that, uh, have been like sold out more frequently than I've seen before. Um, but if anything, I feel like the boom in fruited sours has made fruit purees more accessible from multiple different suppliers, um, cause everyone's buying it. So it's just an easy source of income for them. Um, yeah, I guess I'd being, like, being in the puree business now. is probably pretty profitable right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody started with Oregon fruit and that was pretty much what everybody was using. But as more people got into the fruit game, Oregon fruit was always, you know, selling out of all the stuff that everybody wanted. So it forced a lot of us to go out and make other contacts that we didn't know about before. And, and honestly, those contacts are held pretty tight unless you know somebody really well. <laughs> so that, you, I mean, you find a lot of these adjuncts, um, one in particular that we use is sold out all the time. And so, you know, um, it's forced me on the back end to kind of do some research and make some connections and network to see if we could figure out how to, how to get everything that we need without running into, uh, lulls in, in our inventory. And so, um, but yeah, um, it's, uh, it's crazy right now um, with uh, the amount of companies that are starting to cater to the craft beer industry that you didn't know, you know, Oregon fruit was it a year ago. And now there's so many, so many companies coming around to it. So, so what's your favorite Russ? Um, so I like, we did a mulberry beer, which I really liked, but I think one of my favorites is, um, Oh gosh, 
I literally had it on the tip of my tongue a second ago. Uh, boysenberry, I think, is one of my favorites. I think it's a great color. The flavor's amazing. Um, we did a boysenberry honey one time, which I thought was a phenomenal flavor combination and profile. And so um, I would say boysenberry is one of my favorites, and it's been one of my favorites for a while. But I also really love um, butterfly pea flowers, which uh, Rachel knows about my my love for butterfly pea flowers but we're not allowed to use it anymore so why fda <laughs> oh the... yeah you can... so it's it's legal to use um in certain forms uh but it is not legal to use the dried flowers in order to impart color into any solution and so um, we, you know, we had made a beer like that and, uh, um, found out the hard way that you're not allowed to use that in beer, uh, in the U S. So, um, there are a lot of people that do it and they get away with it, but it's, I think they're not filing for federal, uh, approvals. And so with us being in, you know, so many different States, we have to file TTB approvals and TTB pushed it off to the FDA. And then after, a week or two of dealing with the FDA, we figured out that uh, it's not approved. So, but it uh, is a fun product because it changes color um, with the pH of the solution. And so, uh, there were a lot of fun things that I was trying to plan and do with that. And, uh, um, but yeah, not legal. Oh, so it'll 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 produce a different color based on the level of acidity. Yeah, it's kind of That's like a. Cool. a Oh, yeah, like a litmus like a, yeah, paper. Litmus paper. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a liquid litmus. And um, uh, and so as that changes, it'll either get more pink, purple, uh, or as the pH goes up, it'll get more more bluish. So, um, but yeah, it was a fun thing that we'd messed with for a while, throwing around, you know, trying to do some stuff with it. And uh, But then when we finally did it, um, we weren't allowed to sell it. <laughs> I wonder I wonder why they won't allow it to be used. Is there something like dangerous about it? They couldn't tell me. They said they had no idea why. Uh, they didn't find anything that said it was dangerous. They yeah, that I don't know. Um and I mean there are some stuff that uh or there are things that are derived from the same flower that are legal to use um liquids, liquid forms of of it uh but it's not legal to use the flowers themselves um, for some reason. Weird. It may be the country of origin, too, because everything's imported. Um, so Lord knows what the restrictions are over there. It might be a, you know, something to do with how it was packaged and the process in which it was packaged and, and uh, you know, mass produced. So. Um, so, Rachel... Uh, there, you made a comment earlier when I first asked what was the favorite. You quickly said, "You know what Rachel's least favorite is." So I'm guessing there's some sort of story about a horrible result or experience with something. I mean, there's just uh, yeah, there's a couple of different things that I know Rachel doesn't really like to use, um, but uh, the main one I'm not gonna say because it's a secret. I'll tell you a story about butterscotch candies, though. Yes, do that one. Um, 
we were going to make a butterscotch stout and uh, the head brewer at the time, instead of ordering bulk butterscotch candies that were not wrapped, ordered bulk butterscotch candies that were individually wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to like pop butterscotch candies out of like 200 pounds. It was just nuts. <laughs> and then we threw them all in the kettle and instead of melting, they just became like a big glob, just glob of <laughs> sugary stuff it was not yeah. good. Well, not to mention it took us a day, what a day and a half of opening candy to, it was horrible. I mean, I've, I mean, I literally was sitting <laughs> at my house cutting these open and Rachel came over and Paul who you met Paul, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, Paul came over and my wife and we're all four sitting there cutting these candies and dropping them into five gallon buckets until, I mean, dude, it was a nightmare. Never, ever, ever, ever again. So, Well, there's, um, there's a local brewery that makes a, um, Starburst, uh, beer, it was fruited sour and they're, they spend several days unwrapping pink starbursts because no. you, you can't buy those unwrapped in bulk. Yeah, no, thank you. So they have yeah. peeling parties. and That's great. It takes a long time to unwrap a couple hundred pounds of pink yeah. starburst. I feel like yeah. that one would be worth it, though, because like pink starbursts are quality. It, it yeah. was a really, really good beer the first time they made it, so I'm looking forward right. to it for the rebrew. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think it'd be worth it. But also, what you learn from things like that is call the company directly, like try and source it yourself. And so oh, we did that with quite a few things now. So Yeah, they've tried. There's some things that they're able to get that way, um, and that like that's just one of those things. Now, you can buy... Um, and it's, it's full tilt. You, you've met them that oh, yeah, 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 yeah. they're, um, but you can buy like the, the flavoring used to make, uh, star pink starburst, but then you don't get the mass and it, it's not nearly as thick. And actually I, I, like it, it, I don't think it tastes as good either because you don't get all the sugar, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's take, uh, one more quick sponsor break and then we get back. Um, still some more things to talk about with Oozle Finch, but let's spend a little bit of time talking about your new project that the two of you have going on. Um, so we will be right back. I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard-to-find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix-and-match custom six-pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, 
organic ink, and low fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra high definition, giving you a one up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. Okay, so what's this new thing you have? Uh, well, <laughs> as everyone knows, Easel Finch does uh, a lot of like heavily adjunct uh, sours and even heavily adjunct stouts. Um, but the type of beers that I enjoy drinking and brewing and really um, formulating are more of the traditional style beers. So we are creating Nost Brewing Project uh, in order to kind of showcase that side of brewing and bring everyone back to kind of the normalcy and comforts of traditional beers and kind of the types of beers that we all fell in love with, getting rid of all of the excess and just um, focusing on the, the simplicity but um, intricacies of a real traditional style beer. How do you spell that? It's N-O-S-T. And um, where did that name come from? <laughs> I mean, I guess you uh, kind of said what, yeah. how <laughs> you came up with it. but um, Well, Nost is the, it's a Greek root for nostalgia. So um, we're kind of taking that and focusing the brand around returning to um, returning to the past, returning to comfort and something that makes you feel, uh, like your home, I guess. Um, so that's kind of the basis of the name. So what would be like, what, what sorts of beers will you be making? Uh, well, for our first few beers that we're releasing, uh, we're doing a Czech dark lager, uh, and then we brewed an Italian Pilsner. So it'll be like a hoppy lager. Nice. Uh, we're getting back to the West Coast IPA. Uh, we'll have a Hefeweizen and then a few more fun things coming up the pipe. Uh, one of our first collabs will be with Ellipsis in Florida. So we're going to do an Imperial Doppelbock with them. So basically any like classical style. Yeah, just returning to like the traditional BJCP style guideline type of beers. Pre uh, them adding like, hazies and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just kind yeah. of focusing on what beer was, you know, a couple years ago before. Like craft beer in the early 2000s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say, it's kind of like a, a way of just returning more to our roots and, uh, um, making some of the beers that originally made us fall in love with beer to begin with. And, um, you know, I think, uh, 
you know this from hanging out with as many breweries as you do when when we're all hanging out and having fun uh we it's normally lagers that's in everybody's hands and or margaritas um, yeah yeah or margaritas uh, uh um i still haven't drank since that night <laughs> i i i still don't understand how i was completely sober <laughs> yeah me either oh gosh um well my liver is really good at metabolizing margaritas good for you <laughs> but then i can have i can have one beer and ha- like be borderline <laughs> drunk that's hilarious five margaritas uh, later though and i'm completely fine <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah but I, you know for us it's like uh even even me and I, I have a sweet tooth man and you can tell by the beers we make we make the beers that we do because it's something that i'm um just in love with i i love the um just one they're different not many people are doing them but also i like i said i have a sweet tooth and i i love sweet uh sweet beers but even with me over the last six and nine months it's more i've just been hitting the loggers and uh taking it a step back i you know you can only drink so much of it in one setting period but after you know after two years of of drinking nothing but sweet beers is uh um you do kind of enjoy the you know the base uh styles that you kind of originally fell in love uh with and so that's the whole thought process it's a homecoming a returning home a comfort that you feel when returning home and uh, and that's what NOS stands for. And so that's the process here. And it honestly, Rachel, not just recently found this passion for loggers for her. It's been something she's been talking about since she started brewing is that's what she wants to do. Um, and, you know, it's an opportunity for her to kind of show people that she's not just um, a, you know, kind of uh, one style. This is it. One and done uh, brewer. She, through some insanely good lagers. I think real styles. real beer is one of the best beers I've had from you guys. I, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. yeah, I love well, thank I, you. <clears throat> yeah, we, we love it. So well, it's funny, honestly like, it gives her a chance to let that shine. So I would say for the first couple of years that I was um like I'd always spent time at breweries or like knew a lot of people in the industry, but the first couple years of doing this podcast, I like it would always be like brewers like just saying or saying that all they drink is lagers or things like that. And in my mind, or sometimes out loud, I would just say, "Quit trying to make that happen. It's not going to happen." And then I found, like, probably a year or two ago, I found myself in the exact same place where that's yeah. all I was drinking. Yeah. Also, <laughs> so I think yeah. I think you're yeah. right. Like, once you spend enough time drinking hazy ipas constantly or heavily adjuncted stouts and fruited sours that you just like i want something to taste like beer yeah because yeah. <clears throat> i think yeah. it was it was both at fml and at friends with benefits i drank whatever um shilling had on tap the entire time yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do some killer, uh, killer traditional styles, and uh, and honestly, you know, they've built a, an insanely good reputation around that. And well, that's so they kind of became like a hype, a hype brewer based purely on loggers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
And we're hoping, you know, with the NOS brand, it gives Rachel to, the opportunity to do the same thing um, uh, and not, you know, not have the craziness that is Uzel Finch um, taking anything away from what she's uh, she's able to put out and, and build. And that's one of the reasons we went with a completely different side project instead of doing uh, stuff under the Uzel Finch name is, you know, it gives it gives those beers an opportunity to shine for what they really are instead of. Uh, you know, everybody just assuming that since it's an Oozle Finch beer that's coming out, it's going to be something that's crazy and has a ton of adjuncts. Because um, honestly, that's not who Rachel is as a as a brewer, and um, and this gives people a chance to see that. So that was like, that was like really one of my first thoughts was like, why wouldn't you just start making those beers under the Oozle Finch name? But like you're right, it kind of doesn't make sense to with the reputation yeah. you've built it like intentionally um to mm-hmm. like, it would just seem weird and probably yeah. wouldn't be nearly as successful as a separate entity right yeah and honestly our goal is to one day separate these completely um you know where Uzel finch will have its own sour house doing its thing and nos will have its own own uh you know, brew house and everything set up and kind of running its own thing. And so, uh, it, when I, when we say it's truly two separate projects, um, uh, not only from implementation, but just from, um, thought and, uh, and process and everything, um, we, we really are trying to separate the two as much as we can so that Oozle Finch continues to shine where they are, but, gives this an opportunity to shine for what it is, it is as well. If that makes sense. I think it does. Um, what about you, Rachel? I think it makes sense. I mean, I'm in it, so I have to make sense. Uh, do you, do you have plans at some point to do food or aging? Cause I know you love, um, modernism. So I'd- I plan, yes, Peter <laughs> aging, cool ship, all of that good stuff. Um, I don't know about food or aged loggers. I know it's becoming a really, really great thing that people are doing. I'd love to do it. Um, so we'll see. I think, I think once we're able to kind of expand um, our space here, we'll have more room for it. Um, and it's definitely something that I'd like to see happen. So are, uh, you mentioned a cool ship. Are you going to do like traditional like, sours, like uh, like spontaneous and mixed fermentation? Okay. He said yes. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> just without yeah. and just not add any fruit to it or at least yeah. not a ton of it. Right. <laughs> My goal is to even make uh, like small batches of traditional style gozas and um bringing mixed fermentation kind of back to its non-fruited roots um these local wild bugs and and uh kind of make that make that a thing as well there was a um i think at wheatland springs did a 100 percent loudon county beer where they even went and like out on the farm and harvested and cultivated yeast that they nice. from the farm yeah that's great i think that i think those types of projects are so so interesting and 
like we have a strain, um, a proprietary strain for us that uh, is yeast that's been harvested from the casemate museum inside of the moat. Um, so like doing a project where we have bugs that are locally sourced, um, part of the property that we've, grow, we've grown on. Um, it's just really such a story and so interesting um, for people to kind of experience. So, And it, like, especially with craft beer, because craft beer drinkers are definitely, like, it's more than just a product to consume. There's all the curiosity and the love of the stories from the, at least from the dedicated craft beer drinker. Not Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's more than the beer nowadays. Um, uh, so you have to have, have to have some stories. And I think what better story than sourcing your beer from the land you grow on? <laughs> I think, I think in my opinion, or throwing a bunch of stuff in it. <laughs> either one, work. either extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some charcoal and <laughs> yeah. a, a few Hershey barrels Sierra. of, uh, yeah. <laughs> not Hershey syrup. You can't say that. I think they, <laughs> they don't, they don't like that. Chocolate syrup. <laughs> yeah. They don't like that? Okay. No. <laughs> one, um, once they came out with the Yingling Hershey's thing, um, mm-hmm. anyone that used like the name started getting, um, letters to stop using (laughs) just chocolate syrup then yeah hershey's has nothing to do with it nothing yeah um well i guess you yeah you're not a lot like yeah the problem falls in like if you start using it them in your marketing of the beer that makes sense uh which includes putting on the label what is in it uh, people have gotten cease and desist over those as well i think you and yeah. i talked about that on a previous episode right yeah it yeah you like just putting made with hershey syrup would would get you a cease and desist from them yeah yeah which is weird because it's like just an ingredient list but i guess they yeah. consider that marketing and using their trademark um what yeah. what is the branding of nost going to be like so um the branding is essentially it's uh surrounding that idea of like feeling comfort um so we're kind of centering it around looking forward and walking towards or looking towards something that makes you feel feel good inside feel like you're home feel comforted and nostalgic so all of our labels will kind of center around um like walking towards something more comforting when being surrounded by something that you're kind of unfamiliar with i guess i'm assuming that it'll be more of like a minimalistic design for the labels as opposed to the whimsical uh out there oozle finch labels yeah, so our, our core styles we're going to make really simple. Um, and then some of our like one-offs or collabs we're going we're gonna to make into kind of like a scene, but it'll be a lot simpler than Oozle Finch beers. Um, just kind of more of a scene of your, like you're standing in something that you're unfamiliar with, um, but you're looking towards something that's warmer and something that you've you understand and it's comforting and familiar so 
when um when will people be able to start trying the nost beers our official release date is uh january 1st so we are gonna start shipping out into distro january and it'll be available in the tap room january 1st but i believe what if if anyone if someone ordered the um fml box that includes a nos beer right yeah, so if you order the FML box, you have special first first can release of um, the Czech Dark Lager, which is our first beer in the brand. Awesome. Um, I don't think I got to try that. But I assume it's delicious based on past we'll experience of other beers. <laughs> Very good. Um I had another question, but oh, um, what are you going to be? Were you going to be doing any any IPAs or like like tradi- like older style IPAs? Obviously, you're, I assume you're not going to be doing any kind of hazies or anything. But will you be doing like a West Coast or like English style? Yep, we're going to probably do some West Coast IPAs, um, some double double style IPAs that aren't hazy. The hazy IPAs will probably remain with the Oozle Finch brand, um, but I'd like to get a session IPA in um, and continue continue the IPAs as traditional styles. Hey Russ, have you watched the newest episodes of Blown Away? They have new mm-hmm. they have a new season. No, oh really? Yeah. yeah, I'll have to check it out. It's like a mini Is it season. The- was it the Christmas one? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it on there, but we didn't watch it yet. Yeah. It's okay. It wasn't as good as the regular <laughs> seasons. Yeah, um, we need to, I need to get on it. So, what, how many brands uh, will be released at, at, at first? We'll have five brands. Okay. Um, we'll have the Czech Dark Lager, an Italian Pilsner, a West Coast IPA. An imperial dark doppelbach, and then a hefeweizen. What uh, what hops do you use in the West Coast? For the West Coast, we are going to start with Citra, Mosaic, and then Southern Cross from New Zealand. I don't think I've ever had anything with Southern Cross. It's a it's a really interesting like dual hop. Uh, it's got a nice pine character to it, but it also has a very like citrus forward aroma. So it just depends on when you use it. So we'll do a lot of um, the boil additions to get the bitterness with the Southern Cross. Is that um, a, is that a newer hop, or is that just something I've never seen as like a showcase in a beer? It's been out um, for a couple of years now. It's just not very widely used, um, okay. especially in hazy IPAs because it has more of like a pine character to it alpha acids are pretty high on it as well it started to get big right at the beginning of when the hazy craze was kicking off and everybody was trying to figure it out um uh, but like she said with the pine characteristic of it it was kind of falling at the very very end of the west coast ipa style so when when people first started making hazies i remember a lot of people using that hop specifically and saying this is the trick this is the one that does it and uh um you know but it's uh it's a great hop it but it does add quite a bit of bitterness to it 
so you you had mentioned like separate physical facilities and stuff at some point is there a timeline for that or is that just a to be determined it'll happen when it can happen um yeah it's to be determined right now you know with everything um coming out of covid things are still a lot different than what we were used to uh, in 2019 and so that's conversations that i'm having with my board and with the investors now is uh, you know, what's the growth plan look like and how are we going to scale this thing? And, you know, we have our goal. Uh, obviously, the NOS idea is only a couple months old at this point and only a month old into implementation. And so uh, it's um, we're kind of too early in the game to really figure out where to go there. But I do know that, you know, our our goal for the future is to is to work on scaling NOS as much as we can and to keep Oozle Finch um, small and and doing uh, you know the more exclusive type beers that it's doing here. So I don't really personally see Oozle Finch ever growing out of this building. Um, so when a separate facility is built and needed, um, it'll probably be Oozle Finch here, and then NOS will be across the field there where we're where we're looking at trying to build something eventually. So, okay. um, I would hope in the next couple of years, but it's, uh, honestly, things have been so weird, uh, since 2020 that, um, seeing where all this is going right now, uh, I think it's kind of hard to tell. So until we reach market and figure out, you know, what the demand is for the product and yeah, it's a completely different thing than what we're used to doing. So learning to push something brand new for us is, uh, is going to be challenging but i mean you've met jason he's uh he's a monster when it comes to sales and so um i don't expect that he uh he's gonna uh n you know not be able to push this product so it's uh uh but it's kind of one of those things that we're just sitting on and and uh we're gonna watch and see what happens the first couple months and then start building a plan from there engaging um how this whole thing is going to work so it's really kind of hard to make long-term plans right now, isn't it? <laughs> yes, very much so. So like as soon as you know how things are going to go, um, then something else happens and yeah. it, it some extreme shortage of some supply that hinders progress yeah. or uh, prices have gone through the roof for something or Yeah. We we are feeling that for sure. So when is your next festival going to be? So we've talked a lot about the festivals um, since FML. And, you know, we have exhausted ourselves on fest in the last two years. And you literally, you finish one and then you start working on another one. And then six months later, you do that. And then you start working on the other. And then it's just been a, a nonstop ongoing process for us. Um, it's taken a lot of time, a lot of manpower, a lot of focus um, to get those things to work. And so I think we've, you know, we've decided to take a majority of our energy and put it into NOST and put it into Oozle Finch and, um, uh, and step back a little bit from the fest scene and just do one big fest a year. Uh, and, you know, we're still talking about when that's going to be. It's probably more than likely going to be late summer of 2022. Um, but really blending the idea of Friends with Benefits and FML into one fest um you know uh and seeing what that will look like and knocking it out all at once planning for you know four or five months and um and then giving us the rest of the year to focus on what we should be focusing on uh which is not 
throwing a festival. It sh- we should be focused on the product. We should be focused on the beer and and really building the brand um, outside of these these walls as well. So, um, you know, we we've learned a lot in the process. We've made a ton of friends, and um, it's been great. But it is it, it is absolutely exhausting. And so we are stepping back a little bit from that and doing one fest next year, uh, which is probably going to be late summer more than likely. Which um which name are you going to do it under or you have not decided that yet? Yeah, we haven't decided. Um, you know, friends with benefits is very marketable. We love that name. I, I personally think the direction we're going now, Chris is probably to come up with a new brand, a new branding for the fest and then have like an FML tent that focuses on the, the things that FML was surrounded uh, or surrounding, which is, you know, the online influencers, the breweries uh, from 2020 and all that going on. And then having a friends with benefits tent where we'll pit breweries against each other to support different benefits that they bring on. And then having an open field of, uh, of other breweries come on board. And so uh, that's a really cool concept. Yeah. It's kind of the direction I'm, I'm leading now is come up with new branding, keep the friends with benefit, tent structure keep the fml tent structure and then have the rest of it open with the new fest branding and and kind of just uh you know be able to capitalize on all the different pieces all at once show love to everybody at one time and then uh and do it again the next year instead of six months down the road (laughs) (laughs) i think i think from every angle that um probably makes sense like one it's hard enough to just to find one weekend that is impact solid of like events that would be in direct competition of what you're trying to do. And then as you already just said, the amount of work that goes into putting a large scale event is I think way more than what a lot of people think that it like that it actually takes. There's so many small details that are actually huge that you have to contend for. Yeah, we lose years on our lives every festival, I feel like. But, uh, (laughs) um, you know, it's uh, the other piece, too, also is like not only for our sake, but for all of our friends that we're asking to come down. I mean, it's a lot to ask, um, you know, some of the best breweries in the country who literally travel all spring, summer and fall anyways to to come here yeah, twice a year to, to do a festival or to do two different fests. So you know, it's a, it's a way to just ensure that, you know, everybody's having fun and uh, we're not asking too much of folks, but also not asking too much of our people as well. Um, And, uh, and then staying focused on what we need to stay focused on instead of uh, having to worry about, you know, selling boxes and tickets and everything 365 days a year. So Um, do you think you'll stick with doing that aspect of festivals where you do the the virtual beer box or Mm, I mean, yes, on a very small scale, I don't think we'll ever make it as big as we had it uh, a year ago. I think, um, the, uh, it's, it's honestly for us, hasn't been, um, it's been a nightmare to, to plan logistically. I was so, just, and that, that's exactly what I was about to say. It, it seems like it would be a logistical nightmare of like yeah, just I mean, making sure all the beers come in close enough to each other that everything's fresh and then they get it packaged together and then 
shift and yeah. yeah it it really is a logistical nightmare and so that's honestly that's why we're uh um more stepping away from that piece complete not completely but for the most part i think uh focusing on um on having some exclusive boxes go out is great and i think uh you know is a a good push point and sale for for folks but uh, no reason to overdo it and pack our brewery full of boxes for weeks on end and um, <laughs> and you know stall production and everything else just to just to say we did it so Rachel you've been doing a lot of nodding so I take it you like everything that was just said <laughs> yes like yes just yeah. let me brew beer yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it honestly is a it's a lot like you said and as much fun as it is and as much as we'd like to do it. Um, our space really isn't compatible for it right now, like inside inside for like the box packing and everything. And um, I think one festival a year is, is great. And I think you made a really good point, Chris, when you said it's hard to find, let alone one weekend um, where you're not competing with other festivals. So for us just to like stake our claim in one weekend and make one big fest a year, I think is um, it's going to be really fun for for everyone. Well, yeah, because like the kind of festivals that you're putting on, you're not just competing locally. You're competing with, I mean, a, a good section of the country, possibly even the entire yeah. like yeah. East Coast. So you have, like you have a large swath of land that you're <laughs> yeah. you're you're drawing people from that you have to think yeah, about exactly. like i'm sure there are a yeah. ton of local people there but there were also a ton of people from out of town at yeah. at the festivals yeah. yeah yep well and being able to capitalize on more out of town people during the summertime is is going to be killer too and so i mean it, it all works out best case scenario for us best case scenario for friend breweries for you uh you know the social media folks um and podcast folks and and then also the the people that are traveling the you know the beer uh groupies or whatever they want to come in and, <laughs> and uh hang out and have some fun so um, I, don't, I don't know that yeah. anyone identifies themselves as that <laughs> groupie. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> I do. not I sure do that's a thing so. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say beer nerds but i feel like nerds is just nerds uh, is know. way better yeah i feel like way yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I think nerds or geeks have has a way better connotation than beer than groupies. groupies. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, just just uh, mute that for a second and pretend like the mic went out. No, no, that's going to be the <laughs> yeah. clip. That, that's the clip now. Yes, <laughs> that, that is the highlight clip. The name of the podcast: yeah. Beer Groupies. <laughs> that, I, it sounds like a beer name too. <laughs> Nobody likes my beer names, obviously, as two people in this conversation. Because you come uh, up with some bad ones. Some bad names. (laughs) (laughs) They're bad. You're just not good at names, Russ. (laughs) There's there's nothing wrong with tastes like your grandma. Uh, Yeah, there definitely is. (laughs) 100%. Anyways. Um... Yeah, well, it's uh, like old people candy. I mean, I understand like where the name probably came from, but like the just, just no, just no, yeah, just, just no. 
Well, when I said it, it was innocent, but then everybody looked at me and was like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I'm like, like, I don't. Well, tastes like grandma's house. That is acceptable. Yes. Yeah. But tastes like your grandma's not. It's not okay. <laughs> I'm glad you have. I mean, I'm really glad that you surround yourself with people <laughs> that are willing and capable of saying no to you. <laughs> If anything that you've been successful at, Russ, it has been surrounding yourself with people that will tell you no. no. (laughs) And I do. Everybody here is very, very good at that. Uh, No, everybody here is awesome. They, they're great. But which is, I mean, that's not that's not just like the the owner kissing up to his employees. There, like you do have an amazing crew there. Everyone is aggressively nice and hospitable (laughs) almost too nice yeah (laughs) it's it's almost suspicious (laughs) we have one of the best we do have one of the best teams so but thank god they're willing to tell you no yeah (laughs) i can't even i was gonna say gotta rein it in a little bit every once in a while i was gonna say we're family and we we do act like you know we do have that relationship but at the same time it's it's like a real family where you know, we get on each other's nerves. We can tell each other and be honest, or they can look at look at me and tell me when I'm being stupid. Um, Rachel, you should start and, keeping yeah. a list of all of his really bad ideas, and then you can name a beer Russ's bad ideas and have the Oozel Finch like writing them out on a chalkboard. <laughs> so that was kind of the idea behind "Don't Be Weird." Uh, the name for that came because I said something and Russ looked at me and he was about to say something really inappropriate about it. And I literally looked at him and was like, don't be weird. <laughs> so we named a beer yeah. that. But yeah, good, good times, good times. Russ's bad ideas would be a good, I mean, cause it just lends itself to a perfect label. Either yeah. the, <laughs> either the Oozle Finch writing them out on a chalkboard or like holding a list. <laughs> Like a like a Santa scroll. (laughs) FML was great. Um, Friends of Benefits was great. Nost was my serious idea. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like I feel like you're probably taking credit for Rachel or Rebecca saying something to you that you (laughs) (laughs) that you just expanded on. (laughs) So there is a big debate whether or not. Paul or Russ came up with FML. Um, it's the biggest debate of Oozle Finch. And then Friends with Benefits is definitely Russ. That's all oh, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have any part of that. I'm out on that one. So I will say FML, the name. I, I won't say this to Paul's face, but he definitely said we should name the beer that. And that's how it happened. But I said it, so I take credit for it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I said, F my life. And Paul's like, we should name a beer that. And I'm like, oh, it's perfect. Good idea, Russ. I I don't think you can take credit for that. (laughs) I I think that's a common thing for people to say. Yeah. Paul had the foresight. You're not the first one to say FML. (laughs) I don't no, think I mean, you yeah. invented that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong. I mean, I honestly, when everybody asks, I always say Paul came up with it. 
until like idea. five minutes ago yeah. where you blatantly took credit for it. Definitely <laughs> took credit for it. If, if Paul's around or Paul's going to watch, you know, I, I've got to, you know, I got to stick with my guns with Paul. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Um, what is the number one, what, what beer do you have coming out that you're most excited about? For me? Yeah. Um, the Italian Pilsner that we have in the tank. It is fluffy. It is noise. It's going to be good. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Are you going to get into the side pool craze? I want to. I would love to be in the side pool, pool craze. Um, we'll see if it's uh, in the plans for the bar here um, before we start expanding for Nost. Um, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I nice feel like it would make present. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> right. Um, actually, I need to finish editing together a video of uh, on um, Ben showing off four scores, uh, new side pull taps. Oh, uh, freaking Ben! <laughs> Show off. Yeah. Right. Always. Uh. <laughs> uh what about you russ oh man um uh, i mean honestly you i would normally packaging love no, no. <laughs> I, I honestly would normally say that we've got something stupid crazy in the tank that's uh that is a fruit sour and you know that's normally what's on the tip of my tongue but i'm i think I'm with Rachel because I really want a light lager to destroy. And um, so I think that, and I, and honestly, every time she's asked, like, let's do a Pilsner, let's do a Pilsner. And I was like, I want fluffy pillow. Like, that's what I want if we're going to do it. And so she did it. And so I'm really, really stoked about it. Um, And, uh, you know, I think um, we've got two new assistant brewers in here as well. And, one of them just did his first hazy IPA, which turned out really good. So I think, you know, I'm excited because one of our new guys is doing something that honestly for his first hazy is absolutely amazing. Um, I got to try it so out of the tank before it was carbonated or ready and it was really good. So I can't even yeah. imagine how good it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm stoked for that, but I think the thing I'm most, uh, excited about is is i'm with rachel i'm excited about the italian pilsner i'm excited about putting a crap ton of it in my fridge so um you know when i want to just crush a light beer i have some light beer so. when are you gonna make a czech pilsner because that i love czech pilsners so we did we did a czech lager probably about eight months ago but it's it'll definitely be in the works I think we'll we'll definitely have one eventually. Did the Insta Friends uh, labels come in yet? I think they're supposed to be here today. Yeah, they I'm... are. I can go check. You want me to be right back? No, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still haven't tried it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't either. Oh. I need to try it. I had like a little thimble. I had a little thimble of it. Um during the festival 
I don't remember trying it, that, though. Um, <laughs> was that after your one beer or after the six margaritas? Um, it was solidly in between. I didn't get <laughs> I didn't get sober until I started drinking margaritas. I'm telling someone at the bar was telling them to like give that guy on the end virgin margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not because they didn't charge me for virgin margaritas. <laughs> oh, they definitely did not taste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I was going through my bill the next day and I'm like watching everybody, looking at everybody's social medias and everybody's like taking shots and doing all this stuff and I'm like, good lord man, we bought a lot of drinks that night. Uh, In my defense, everything was forced on me. I did not want anything. They just kept showing, I didn't order a thing. They just kept getting plopped in front of me. I blame Ben. Ben, Ben. (laughs) yeah, Ben and Mikey and mike yeah. <laughs> all the mics <laughs> the mics and ben uh, um it was ben ben's the one that looked at all of us and said let's go get margaritas and oh it was, I knew as soon as that happened this is not gonna go well oh yeah i mean so, it's 100 percent his fault yeah. so it all comes back to ben yeah um so when will insta friends come out we are going to label it probably tomorrow, and then we'll probably release next weekend. Cool. Which is uh, Insta Friends is a beer that Uzel Finch was kind enough to make with myself and our friend Lene um, that hopefully is really good. I probably <laughs> – I don't know how I haven't tried one yet. I have cans of it. I just haven't. I was say, you took some. Yeah, I have. I just haven't. I haven't drank much the last couple of weeks. So, it, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, it's, uh. it's a mystery. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like I don't want to. I, I I don't want to um, try one until the can's labeled, which is absolutely ludicrous and stupid. But. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's the, it's a whole experience. Yeah. You have to have the label while you're tasting it. And it's kind of it. like if I can't take a picture of it, did it happen? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to send you some labels too. Yes. Don't let me forget about that. I won't. Don't worry, because that was the plan. <laughs> that I would take the cans with me and you send me the labels so that all the labels are completely crooked and look awful because yes. <laughs> I am not good at putting a label on a can. <laughs> um, so that's awesome. Next weekend? Yep. Cool. Um, and this will come out tomorrow so that timeline is accurate. Uh, is there anything else coming up that you two want to talk about? Or anything that I did not cover that you want to discuss? I think I'm good. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, just stay focused on Nost, man, and follow us on Instagram and uh, keep up with what's going on there because I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Because um, you, um, you have all the social media accounts live and active at this point right yep yeah we did uh we did get all of them up and going uh we'll probably have a website up and going here soon for it as well um but uh but yeah man we're we're all super stoked about it and and 
I'm excited for everybody to be able to see what Rachel can do outside of uh, heavy adjuncted beers. So it'll be, uh, I think it'll be really, really cool experience for, for everybody. What are, um, and I'll link it in the description too, but what are the social media? Is it NOS Brewing? NOS? Yeah, NOS Brewing Project. Cool. And that's N-O-S-T and yeah, you can figure out how to spell Brewing Project. Um, well, thank you to so much for your time. Um, sure. thank, you. thank you for all the fun I had a couple weekends ago at FML. Um, and thank you for, uh, allowing me to make a beer with you. It's been a great time. Um, thank you for having us. Thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.